Hi, this is Pastor Emily McGinley from Urban Village Church, Hyde Park, Woodlawn. If you've been to UVC, you'll know that we seek to be three things, bold, inclusive, and relevant. We know that there are countless folks across the country and out there in podcast land like yourself, seeking a message that will bring insight, hope, encouragement, and joy as we do this thing called faith. Please consider making a financial gift to help us with this work of inspiring, equipping, and sending out agents of gospel life and inclusive love. Just go to www.urbanvillagechurch.org forward slash give. Thanks for listening, and God bless. So our passage today comes from Leviticus chapter 25, verses 1 through 10. Listen for what God is saying to you. The Lord said to Moses on Mount Sinai, Speak to the Israelites and say to them, Once you enter the land that I am giving to you, the land must celebrate a Sabbath rest to the Lord. You will plant your fields for six years and prune your vineyards and gather their crops for six years. But in the seventh year, the land will have a special Sabbath rest, a Sabbath to the Lord. You must not plant your fields or prune your vineyards. You must not harvest the secondary growth of your produce or gather the grapes of your freely growing vines. It will be a year of special rest for the land. Whatever the land produces during its Sabbath will be your food for you, for your male and female servants, and for your hired laborers and foreign guests who live with you, as well as for your livestock and for the wild animals in your land. All of the land's produce can be eaten. Count off seven weeks of years, that is seven times seven, so that the seven weeks of years totals 49 years. Then have the trumpet blown on the 10th day of the seventh month. Have the trumpet blown throughout your land on the day of reconciliation. That's the day of Yom Kippur. You will make the 50th year holy, proclaiming freedom throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It will be a jubilee year for you. Each of you must return to your family property and to your extended family. May God add a blessing to the hearing and understanding of this scripture. Please join me in prayer. God, we give you thanks that you have gathered us this Super Soul Sunday morning um, for song and for testimony, for joy and compassion, and for all of the things that make life um, the beautiful and wonderful and complex thing that it is. We ask that you would be present in this space and, in the, and that you would freely move throughout our hearts and minds so that um, we might hear and be transformed by what it is that you have to say to us this morning. Speak through me in spite of me, and speak to us in spite of us. May we hear. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this past Tuesday, this is a little bit of a brag, uh, I had the tremendous opportunity to see the Broadway hip-hop musical Hamilton on its opening night. And it was amazing. Save all your money um, and buy a ticket. It's worth it. Um, and it was also really interesting because I actually didn't, I mean, I'm a little bit ashamed to admit that I actually didn't know very much about the story of Alexander Hamilton. So, um, so it was interesting for me to get immersed in a story about the birth of a nation. Like, okay, there's this new, th- new thing that we're doing right now, and it doesn't look like what we were doing before with a monarchy. So then what is it going to look like, right? Uh, will slavery be a thing? How will we organize our money? What does representation look like? How will we order ourselves? It's a tremendous task that requires an equally tremendous imagination. And then to have some killer dance moves on top of it, truly the Founding Fathers were an exceptional group of people. 
as long as you set aside all that, the fact that all of this was happening on stolen land. But, well, in a similar way, here is Moses, right, hashing out with God what this nation of people, Israel, is going to be about. Moses had led, has led folks to freedom after generations of enslavement under the Egyptian government. And these are heady, new, exciting days when it feels like almost anything is possible, right? You have a blank slate. How will we function? And how in our functioning will we be any different from any government or nation that exists right now? And if you ask me, this point right here in Leviticus 25, this is the most astonishing, exciting, and audacious idea that God may have ever imagined for humans to really try and figure out. In a lot of ways, this passage, this obscure passage, I think, in the book of Leviticus, probably the least, second least read book in the Bible after Numbers, this passage, in a lot of ways, is the blueprint, I think, for what Jesus was trying to do, and in fact, who Jesus was as a person. Right here is an idea that, in spite of how long it's been around, remains incredibly revolutionary and deeply confusing, I think, particularly for those of us who grew up in a hyper-capitalistic culture like the United States. I'm keeping you in suspense. Here is the idea. Every 50 years, we hit the reset button. Everyone starts out with their equal allotment of resources. Let's say everyone gets 40 acres and a mule, right? And let's be honest, some people are better than other people at this stuff, right? Like farming and business management and sort of adulting in general, right? Managing their bills or staying on top of their responsibilities. And so also some people just kind of get different circumstances in life, good or bad health, things turning out for or against your favor. It's like rain on your wedding day, right? Uh, free ride when you've already paid. And so... You know, there's some things that are just outside of your, your purview. And so after a few years, you begin to see that some people are doing better than other people in life. And the gap widens. And after a while, maybe there are some significant disparities. One person loses everything because they're trying to keep on top of their medical bills. Or their student loans are crushing them. Or they made a bad gamble on investing in a headphone jack factory just before the iPhone 7 came out. <laughs> Whatever, right? And so this crazy idea to hit the reset button every 50 years means that the generational wealth that you could build on or generational poverty that consistently kept you held back, it disappears. You start over, materially speaking. Went into debt and became a bonded slave, free. Lost everything after some regretful decisions, back to square one instead of square minus 50. And so for the person who did well, the one who worked really hard and saw their efforts rewarded, the ones who were building something big, what about them though, right? It probably feels like a little bit of a bitter blow to see that everything that you have built is then again divided up and redistributed. It feels a little unfair. I'll be honest, I might feel a little like I got robbed. But that would be because I conveniently forgot a very important detail, and we see it in verse 2. Speak to the people of Israel and say to them, when you enter the land that I am giving you, the land shall observe a Sabbath for the Lord. I'll say it again. When you enter the land that I am giving you, leasing you, allowing you to borrow. Oh, snap, that's right. This land wasn't mine in the first place. It would be easy to interpret this through the lens of communalism, that this was the, in the interest of making sure that a disparity of wealth didn't emerge, which I think is one part of the purpose. But there's another aspect, I think. Peace of mind, 
freedom. Freedom from anxiety. When you know that every 50 years the reset button is going to get hit, you're released from the anxiety and the compulsion to produce, produce, produce. That you can be freed to slow down, and like we talked about last week, really delight in what you're part of helping to create. It's kind of like the psychological difference between being unemployed and not sure when you're going to find a job and then finding a job three months later versus ending a job and knowing that you're going to start one in three months, right? One is full of uncertainty and anxiety, and the other might feel a little bit more like a sabbatical. And maybe even more importantly, if you know that there's a reset button, you might start looking for your value and purpose in something other than the things that you produce and your status. Last week in Genesis, um, we read that we were created with a purpose, right? To partner with God in co-creation. But that purpose is not only for ourselves, right? For our individual self or our family or even all of humanity. Our purpose is also tied up with all of creation. So we have some pretty amazing people who come through UBC, and I'm not just saying that to flatter you. Um, but really, one of these people is a young woman named Jenny Euling. Does anyone remember Jenny? She was pretty quiet. Um, very good friends with Hope, who was much more involved with uh, our communion team. But some of you might remember, if you, if you remembered Jenny, um, that she was an undergraduate student at the U of C. She graduated last June, last June I think a, a year ago. Um, well, Jenny, anyway, she had a, a deep love and passion for ornithology. What, pray tell, is ornithology? I'm so glad you asked. Um, briefly, ornithology is the study of birds. And Jenny, she loves birds. She loves them so much, she is now studying them as a PhD student in Ithaca. And when she was in Chicago, she used to work for the Field Museum's bird division, which I did not know existed. Um, and do you know what she told me? She told me that there were people who worked for the museum that walked around certain parts of downtown before sunrise during certain times of the year, and they would pick up dead birds. Why? Well, because as it turns out, many of the buildings downtown are situated very unfortunately right in the pathway of certain migratory patterns. And so every year, the birds that migrate through on these ancient patterns of, you know, and pathways, um, there are always a very unfortunate few hundred that don't make it to their destination. Now, I suppose that there isn't much that can be done about the buildings at this point, like, you know, who's going to take down the Aeon Center, right? So then, why are these ornithologists picking up the birds? Are they just like doing the city a, you know, a solid, or what? Are they holding little bird funerals? Of course not. They're actually um, using these bird carcasses to track the changes in bird migration. Because, you know, obviously if there is a pile of red herrings, there's a good chance that red herrings have been hitting up Shy City, literally. And I talk about this because our passage on this last day of our series, thank you for that laugh, I was hoping for more, but you know, I'll take that one. Um, I talk about this uh, because our passage on this last day of our series about the Sabbath kind of pulls back our lens a little bit. Last week, we studied um, the creation passages, and um, you might remember how I kind of pointed out that like, at every stage of creation, God blesses what has been made. And it's really easy and exciting and I think common to focus on the role that humans that we play in creation as partners with God. Um, and we might get, we get, get so excited about that that we forget that what this partnership is actually about, right? What it's for. Well, today we're reminded of two things about that partnership um, and about that time of creation. One is that all of creation is just as blessed and promised wholeness of life as humans are. And second, 
humans play an integral role as stewards of that promise. And what this means is that the same promise of reconciliation, of Sabbath rest and restoration, of hitting the reset button on our being and doing, this is not just for us, but it's also for creation. Because as a living, breathing system, creation also needs rest, time for renewal and restoration. God has leased out care for our creation and cultivation, and yes, even for our enjoyment, but it's not ours. We don't own it. We live on borrowed time and borrowed land. And when we really absorb the truth of this, when we really live this, things like a Dakota Access pipeline, oil pipeline that runs across and along sacred water resources, or building skyscrapers in the pathway of migrating birds, pathways that existed long before the buildings were up, or reducing the diversities of maize and corn in Latin America, all for the sake of human wealth and power and dominance, it's a tragic betrayal of our role as stewards of God's promise to all of creation. It's a broken promise to God and to one another and to the earth that we were called to cultivate and protect. We can have it both ways. Sabbath is more than a day off, I think. It's also a practice of resistance. Resisting the desire to accumulate at the expense of the dignity that God imbued all of creation with. Ourselves and the land that we live on. We actually diminish our own dignity when we cut ourselves off from creation. Studies have shown that even patients in hospital rooms with a view of some aspect of nature, a tree or water or whatever, those patients inexplicably have faster and higher rates of recovery. Simply a view, a glimpse of creation, lifts our capacity for health and wellness. To pretend that we are not interconnected is a lie. It's the same kind of lie that makes folk feel comfortable saying things like, all lives matter, or she was asking for it. We can't cut ourselves off this way. We're called to a Sabbath that resists disconnection, resists constant production, resists anxious exploitation, and resists consumeristic practices that tax our bodies, our land, and ultimately, ultimately dims our collective imagination for what's possible. A Sabbath that resists the objectification of one another and the world that we live in. It's a built-in way for us to check ourselves before we wreck ourselves. That's Sabbath. So what does that look like? How do we practice a Sabbath of resistance? Two words. Opt out. At the end of the day, a practice of Sabbath is one of opting out. Maybe that means choosing not to eat meat a few days a week as a way to decrease the demand on livestock, land, and processing materials that have been stretched to meet the overconsumption of meat. Maybe it means contributing to the Rolling Jubilee, which is this really cool um, initiative which buys outstanding debt from banks and abolishes it. Because as it turns out, banks sell debt for a fraction of what is owed, and then those people go after you Shadowy corporations and organizations and people, they go after you with the phone calls, the letters, and the late-night knocks on the door to collect. But they've bought the, that debt at a smaller amount, and they're, they're trying to collect for the full amount. So 
So the rolling jubilee buys the debt and abolishes it. There are as many ways to opt out and help others opt out as there are ways that people, land, and animals are abused. The point, my point, is that if there's anything at all that you can take from these last three weeks of talking about Sabbath, it's this. God is so sneaky and dope that this vision of wholeness of life for all is completely integrated at every level, even and maybe especially when it means observing a Sabbath. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your dopeness. Uh, We thank you that you are so creative and so imaginative that you can, in every fold of our being, give us opportunities to work toward, to live into, to opt for life, not just for us, not just for our benefit, but for the entirety of the creation that you called blessed and loved and very good. And so we ask, God, that you would help us in those times on a regular basis to opt out in the ways that keep us on a wheel, that keep us blind and disconnected from one another and from your creation. Help us to be people of courage. Help us to be woke people, not just for one another, but for all of your world that you love so much. We pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Jesus, please mention my name When you talk to your mother today Life down here feels so strained My brokenness is in the way I'm not that good Don't pray like I should Yet I'm amazed you get me through She sees me, but she hears you. She hears you, you. That's what I need, you, you. Jesus, please mention my name. See, I got some bad news today. Be nice if you could carry this weight. See, it's got me questioning my faith. What else to do? The safest place to hide is you. You are the door I now walk through. He sees me because he hears you. He hears you. Help but love you. Oh, you. Jesus, I appreciate. I appreciate you. He intercedes for me, protects me from things 
unseen, right between God and me. He intercedes for me. He intercedes for me. Protects me from things unseen, right between God and me. He intercedes for me.